promises to you will never go uncontested. I want you to hear this. God's promises to you will never go uncontested. The enemy will always come in to steal the word that you've heard. So the promises of God will never go uncontested and their manifestation will always require faith. Faith is the means. Now hear me when I say this. Faith is the means by which we obtain the promises of grace. Faith obtains what grace provides. Now the enemy can't defeat grace because grace quite literally is the embodiment and the movement of God himself. He can't defeat grace. So he will always attack us in the arena of faith. Because see, grace is who he is. Faith is what we manifest. Now he gives us grace, but we have to employ it. The enemy cannot assault grace. He will assault faith. Because if he can get us to waver in faith, then we negate grace. You understand what I'm saying? So faith is the arena of the battle. Understand that. It's never on God's side. Do you remember in the book of Daniel when Daniel prayed? The Bible lets us know that an angel was immediately dispatched. Immediately. But the arrival of the angel was delayed. Not because of God's ordination. What do you suppose Daniel was doing in those days of waiting? Standing in faith. He was standing in faith. In a season of apparent defeat or in a season of denial, what appears to be, we've got to stand strong in faith because that's what's being assaulted. Can we, can we fix some of this? Or do I need to move it? Move it back. We need to stand strong in our faith. Because the enemy knows the Bible really well. And there's one verse he understands quite well. And that is 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Let me draw your attention to that. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says this. I'm reading it to you out of the Passion Translation. You see, every child of God, and I know that this wasn't up on the Bible app because yesterday I was kind of in a fog and I thought I sent it to Sister Fowler and I failed. So go to the Bible app later on. It'll be there. Today we're old school. You see, every child of God overcomes the world. How many children of God overcome the world? Every child of God overcomes the world. For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. Our faith. Most translations word it this way. Faith is the victory. And see, this is, as long as you're walking in faith, no matter what it looks like, no matter how it appears, you are victorious because faith is the victory. Amen. The only way the devil can take your victory is by diminishing or taking your faith. Hmm. I've heard people say over the years, and I'm sure you've heard it, you've said it, I've said it. The enemy's after my car. The enemy's after my health. The enemy's after my child. And the answer is really, no, he's not. As far as I know, Satan doesn't even have a driver's license. So it'd be illegal for him to drive your car if he got it. Understand this, and this is important. What the enemy is after in every attack that you've ever endured in your Christian experience, he's after one thing. It's all he's after, your faith. 
You know, there was one incident in the book of Job, and if anyone ever harmonized with the devil, it was Job's wife. Because when Job was going through what Job went through, she said these words that have echoed down through the ages, why don't you just curse God and die? You see, that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to become so antagonized and frustrated and angry that you'll just curse God, crawl off into a corner and die. Now, he doesn't want you to die until you've cursed God. This is the reason why he'll come after your faith. He'll come after your dream. He'll come after that word, that vision. He'll come after it because his hope is that you'll abandon your faith and he can say, see, God, they don't even believe you. So he's always after your faith. He wants us to surrender the dream. He wants us to surrender that word, but we ain't a gonna do it. I'm, I'm, I'm channeling Brother Hagen right there. We ain't a gonna. We ain't a gonna do it. We're gonna recognize the source of our battle. We're gonna protect the prize he's after, and we're never gonna stop believing, and we're never not gonna win. Amen? Go with me, and this is where we'll get started today. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 1st Timothy chapter 6 verse 12 Paul wrote these words he said fight the good fight of faith now I'm going to break this apart because there this 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 one verse is so rich with insight into the battle of the spirit fight the good fight of faith take hold of the eternal life now understand that's not salvation that's not living forever that's the God kind of life that's that's the life that's filled with his promises that's the abundant life that's the life where your body's well your finances are restored that nothing is broken and nothing is missing everyone say Zoe that's the God kind of life that's this life so he said fight the good fight of faith take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. You were called by God to the Zoe kind of life, the God kind of life. God has called you to a good life. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, what's interesting is about this, the word fight, the same word is used four times in the New Testament. One time it's used in a bad way, and that is the fighting among church people and that is because we lust we want and we don't have so we fight one another but three of the four times it, it has to do with fighting the fight of faith so that means every once in a while a church person is going to get up in your face we just church people it's but most of our fighting is not with flesh and blood most of our fighting is with principalities and powers and, and, and with the devil who deceives and makes our environment to be more real than our God. Amen. In fact, let's listen. Look, look, look. These are the three verses. Ready? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. The command I trust to you, entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in the accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, by what? By the prophetic words you've heard. 
See, so if you've ever had a prophetic word, be it in a dream, a vision, in your prayer chambers, or in a, in a, in a, a line at the front of a church, God gives you those prophetic words not to prove you're something special, but to equip you that when you go into a fight, remember what God said. Brother Hagin used to always tell us, if you ever see an angel, hold on. Why? Because if God shows you an angel, it means you're about to go into a massive battle. So he used to tell us, don't pray to see an angel. That's like praying to go into a fight. But understand that the prophetic word comes to equip you so that when the storms of life come at you, you've got what it takes to get through. You can remember back when you're standing on a ship that appears to be sinking. You can remember that the Lord said, thou shall make it to the other side. Yeah, you're following me. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says the same, a very similar thing. He said, fight the good fight of faith. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. So you notice in three of the four times, the fight is always adjoined or connected to faith. Okay? So now let's go back to our verse, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Since you can't avoid the, you can't avoid the fight, we might as well learn how to win it. Amen. I'm going to read the verse again. Fight the good fight of faith. This word fight in the Greek is in the Greek. It's agonizomi. And it literally means a struggle, a contest, a fight to the death. It can mean two wrestlers just trying to pin one another down. But more often than not, it's two gladiators fighting to the death. And what Paul is trying to communicate is don't take this fight lightly because if you lose your faith, you're going to lose the eternal life. Yes. This is a life and death struggle. Yes. This is the reason I've said for years, faith ain't for the weak of heart. It takes some courage to stand in the middle of a worn, torn battlefield that God has said is your promised land. And it don't look like a promised land. It don't feel like a promised land. And you got to stand there and declare the word of God over that environment. That takes faith. That is an agonizing thing. And then this is what mm, the enemy wants to take the natural, make it preeminent over the spiritual. So you believe what you see instead of what you've heard. And in fact, the a derivative of this word it literally means to antagonize. To antagonize and it means the enemy wants to have you ever had an antagonist in your life someone who just come they keep poking and prodding and it's like they're doing everything they can to just make you lose your temper that's what the enemy wants to do in fact Rick Renner says that the, the word Diablo literally means to poke he just keeps poking and poking and poking till he penetrates and what he's doing is he's poking and saying you believe this but look at that you said this, but hear that. He's, he's, he's seeking to make the natural so counterproductive to what you were believing in the spirit that you grow antagonistic toward the one who promised. Y'all yes. 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 following me? Yes. Fight. Now then Baal goes, I love this. He calls it the good fight. Now when he calls it the good fight, this is interesting. 
Because he's not saying the fight itself is good. Have y'all ever been in a fight? Fighting stinks. Because even if you win, you're going to get whacked. So Paul's not saying the actual fight is good. But when, when he uses this word, it's the word that has to do with the effect. It's the outcome. Listen to me. It's not the fight. It's the after fight. Because when you fought, it produces something in you. When you've stood, y'all listening to me. When you've stood in the arena of faith, when you've stood in the middle of the ring and everything you have declared, everything you're believing, every word God has ever given you is being contested and he's making it feel like you're in the middle of the perfect storm, you got two choices. Stand in the middle of the ring and engage the fight or get out of the ring and lose the prize. But you got to stand in the middle of the ring. You got to swing. You got to fight. You got to keep declaring. You got to keep believing. You got to keep saying what God has said. And the outcome of the fight is it produces in you a character and a strength you didn't have before you got into it. So the fight itself might have been painful, but the outcome of the fight is you're going to know something you didn't know before you went into it. You're going to know that God will never fail you. And if you will stand, even if you got to stand long, you will always win. You will always win. And it produces in you a character. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, at the fight itself ain't good. But what it does in you is good. Because once you've whipped the lion, you're ready for the bear. And when you've killed the bear, you're ready for Goliath. When you take out Goliath, you're ready for the throne. Pastor, I don't know why it's got to be so hard. Me neither. I'm just like you. There's been times I've stood up and said, God, why me? And if we had spiritual ears, we'd hear because I need you. I need you to be stronger than you are right now because I am preparing you for that which I have prepared for you. But in order to occupy the space I've ordained for you, I can't have you going there being wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. You got to be strong. I need warriors. I need people that are going to stand in the middle of darkness and declare light. I need people that are going to stand when they're being assaulted and insulted. When friends have become enemies and enemies become foes, you got to be able to stand there and say, God has said, I will live and not die. And this dream, this vision will come to pass. You got to have the ability to say, I don't need the crowd. And I'm not saying that, I'm saying that because you don't need everyone's applause. If you need everyone's applause in order to keep believing, you ain't got faith. Never mistake the will of the majority with the will of God. And if God has said it, it doesn't matter how many oppose it. You got to keep believing. If God has declared to you, this is not the end. This disease will not take you out. It doesn't matter how many doctors tell you this is terminal. You got to have the strength and character to look at him and say, no, bro, it's temporary. How can you say that? You don't have a degree. I don't need a degree. I got a God. I got a God who never fails. Is this okay this morning? So the, Paul declared it is a good fight. Listen to this. I wrote this down last night. A fighter who keeps winning gains confidence 
and can soon begin to believe themselves invincible. When you keep winning and winning and winning, pretty soon you see yourself as a winner. And God, that's how God wants us to see ourselves. He wants us to see ourselves so connected with him that we can't even imagine losing. I mean, when, when, when faith becomes such a reality, we can't even imagine being defeated. Watch, we'll try. Nope, can't picture it. I can't picture this being the end. I can't picture God abandoning me. I can't imagine God not coming through. I can't imagine the dreams he's given me not coming to pass. How? Because I've stood in the arena of faith just like you. I've had battles just like you, and I've stood in the ring, and I've declared God's word when it seemed as if everything was failing and everything was falling apart. When the amount in our bank account was zero and we were in a foreign nation and couldn't work, we know what it is to stand there and declare, our God shall supply. Yes. And then somebody we've never met from a place we've never visited sending us enough money to make it through to the end. Yes. More than one time I've wrote back and said, do it again. <laughs> they only ever did it one time. God, listen. I said this, is this okay this morning? I said it to you a couple weeks ago. God still knows how to manufacture manna. And his eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth. And he's looking for an opportunity to prove himself mighty. He's looking for that opportunity to say, there's one who's not getting out of the ring. There's one who's standing in the middle of a storm declaring, I'm the God of peace. There's one who from those lips comes my word. And he'll dispatch his angels and he will come through. We will reap in due season if we do not grow weary. I remember one time I was preaching that and someone stood up and I could tell that they were exasperated. They yelled out, well, when's my due season? And I was like, I don't know. I don't even know when mine is. But I know that when my season is due, God will come through. And in the meantime, listen, the grace is all on him. All I've got to do is produce the faith. See, grace is without question. Is this okay this morning? If you read through the New Testament, you read through the, the, the four Gospels, you'll never find Jesus saying, have grace. Now, in the, in the epistles of Paul, he started almost every letter with the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you. But Jesus never required people to have grace. He would say, have faith. He would say, oh, ye of little faith. He never say, oh, ye of little grace. The grace was never the problem. The faith was. Because if he can just get his people to believe, grace will always manifest. Always. The faith is uncontestable. His word is unchangeable. He is invincible. He is invulnerable. And if he has said it, he will do it. If, he, if, he, if it came out of his mouth, he watches over it to perform it. The problem is never him. The problem is us getting impatient and growing weary and saying, this is taking too long and it's too hard. I don't want to fight anymore. When do we quit fighting? When we quit breathing. Until that time, we keep pressing. We keep believing God for more. And if you've, if you've already had one faith victory, you get ready for the next one. Amen? Hallelujah, Father. I'm preaching myself happy. you got to fight to gain that kind of confidence. 
If we shrink back, listen to this. If we shrink back, if we shrink our hopes, we shrink our dreams, we shrink our expectations. And have you ever noticed there are a lot of people that want you to shrink back from what? Well, you're just believing too big. Nobody needs all of that. So we shrink our expectations in order to fit in with them. If we shrink back, what does the Bible say about those who shrink back? God has no pleasure in them. No pleasure. If we constantly shrink back, listen to this, we will never gain the confidence and the character and the quality will never be produced. Fight the fight of faith. This is important as well. Listen, this is all out of this one verse. Paul calls it a fight of faith. He's telling you what the weapon is. It's not intellectual. It's not a battle of the wills. It's not a battle that you can go to the gym and get bigger biceps. This is a battle of faith. It's always in the arena. In fact, the, the second word fight in that same verse, the good fight, that second fight it comes from the Greek word agon. And some of you have heard me say this before. That word agon has, has two meanings. One, it, it's declaring the arena. Where does the fight actually take place? And Paul's saying it's in the arena of faith. It's always faith. It's faith today. It'll be faith tomorrow. It'll be the, the, the enemy is going to attack you in the arena of faith. It's not an intellectual arena. It's not a willpower thing. It's not a strength of arm thing. It's always going to be a faith thing. And, the, and, and, and Malcolm Smith, one of the greatest Bible teachers ever, said that that word agon is where we get the word agony. Which means that when you're walking by faith, there's always an agonizing aspect to it. And that's for all of us. There's never, not one, ever been anyone who's walked by faith who hasn't had to walk through an agonizing season. I ain't preaching something new. What Paul said is this season is meant to prepare you. If you're going through a season of drought and you keep believing for rain and it rains on only your property. That's happened before. There's stories of, of farmers in the Great Depression in the Dust Bowl of Oklahoma. Farmers who believed surrounded by neighbors who didn't and it would rain up to their fence line. Hello. It rained on my 40, not yours. That ain't my problem. That's your problem. Because one farmer stood there in the middle of the dust bowl and called on the God of rain. Yes. And God made it rain. Yes. Now, you know what that says to your neighbors when they walk up to the fence line and you're getting rain and they ain't? See, that's what God wants. He wants our faith to be so victorious that it becomes a beacon to the rest of the world. Stand, believe in the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and see Him do for you what He's done for them. See Him do for you what He's done for people in past and present and future. So if we're under attack in the arena of faith, that doesn't mean you failed God. Understand that. The fight does not mean that you're somehow inferior and if you ever hear anyone preach a faith message 
and they preach it in such a way that they ain't never had a battle, you're listening to a liar. You're listening to a liar. Because if they're walking by faith, they've gone through it. And if they ain't gone through it, they ain't walking by faith. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear anyone tell me about faith that don't have none. Just like I don't want to hear someone tell me how to have a happy marriage that's been divorced five times. I don't want to hear someone tell me how to be a millionaire and they're living on the street. If you ain't got it, don't tell me about it. But if you've been through some stuff and you have fought the fight and you've stood in the arena, then baby, tell me how you won. Tell me how you stood there in the dark days. Tell me how you lasted when it feels like you were breaking. Tell me how you stood there because I want to know how you made it. Because if God will do it for you, he'll do it for me. And if God will do it for me, he'll do it for you. See, this is the reason why we need a family of faith. I need to know that you've struggled. Not because we're manifesting or uh, uh, making a commemoration of the struggle, but because it was a good fight. It produced a character. A character that becomes so strong that when somebody comes up to you and they say, this is the end, you ain't going to make it. You can look him in the eye and say, the devil is a liar and you're his child. Because my God's a good God. And I won't quit and he can't lose. This is what Paul says. What is the thing that's at stake in this fight? Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Understand this. Every promise is a promise of grace, but will require from us faith. Pastor, this sounds hard. I know. I know. That's why Paul used the word agon. It can be agony to believe one thing and all of your senses are declaring something else. Why does it have to be this way? Because God has an ultimate, eternal intention. You realize you and I are not destined to be fat cherubs sitting on a cloud playing harps. Because chances are, if you got no musical ability here, you won't have none there. God's not, God's not destined you to be a fat, chubby angel. He's created you to be a ruler, to reign, a joint heir with Christ. Those who teach eschatology teach that we're going to reign universes. How's that going to be? I don't know. Wait and see. I'm not a teacher of eschatology. The Lord told me to avoid that subject, so I do. But I do know this. However it manifests, it's going to be good, and God's preparing us for something that will blow our mind. He can't even tell us what it is. Now, I can't see, ear hasn't heard. If he whispered it into us, we'd be going, oh, no, that's too big. He's preparing us. Are you getting anything out of this? I forgot to set my timer. That's somebody texting me saying, you've been going too long. (laughs) This is the prize that you have to win or lose, living the God kind of life, the kingdom life. And this is exactly why the enemy is after your faith. He could really care less what size house you have or what brand of car you drive. Actually, he'd be happy to give you a mansion if you'd exchange your faith for it. What did he offer Jesus? Did he offer Jesus shacks or the kingdoms of the world? 
What he wants is your faith. Listen to this. Because without it, you'll never please God. Doesn't the Bible say that? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he wants your faith, and he'll do whatever it takes to get you to surrender that. And if you never please God, you'll never obtain the promise of your destiny. So what do we do when our faith is under attack? Brother Hagen gave us 10 things to do, but I, you ain't giving me that long, so I won't share all 10 things. I'm only going to give you one thing. But this one thing will help. The final part of the verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, you made the good confession. Everyone say the good confession. In the presence of many witnesses. And then in Hebrew 10, 23, let us hold fast... Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So what do we do when we're under attack? You don't change your confession. Brother Hagin gave us 10 steps. I'm only giving you one. Don't let your environment alter your vocabulary. Don't tell everyone where you are. Tell them where you're going. It doesn't take any faith to declare what it is. Declare what it will be. I'm going to say it again. Never allow your environment to alter your vocabulary. Hold fast the confession of your hope. Now, the fact that the writer of Hebrews would say hold fast lets us know there's something or someone trying to strip you of that very confession. And you got to hold it fast. Do not tolerate, listen to this, do not tolerate for a single moment the thought that God is not faithful and that victory is not yours. The Bible says to resist the devil. Doubt is of the devil. How many of you ever heard me teach on the two questions the devil will always ask you? He only ever asks you two questions. It's all he ever has to ask. And those two questions always have to do with your identity and what God has said. Your identity and what God has said. And what he's seeking to do is get you to doubt what God has made you or what God has said. So to resist the devil, listen to me, you resist doubt. Resist doubt. Don't entertain it. Resist it. Resist it in the same way you would resist someone trying to break into your house to harm your children. Resist it in the same way. Husbands, resist doubt in the same way you'd resist someone who is trying to violate your wife. Wives, listen to me. Resist doubt in the same way you'd resist someone trying to harm your babies. Resist it. Because the enemy is seeking to sow doubt into your heart and strip you of faith and win the victory. So you resist the devil by resisting doubt. Don't tolerate it. Replace it. When doubts come up, get a word from the Bible and meditate on it and let the word replace the doubt. But if you entertain doubt for a moment, you'll entertain doubt for an hour. If you entertain doubt for an hour, you'll entertain doubt for a day. If you entertain doubt for a day, you'll entertain it for a week. And pretty soon, doubt will become your lifestyle. Is this okay? Mm. 
Hold fast that hope-filled confession of yours. Keep saying, it's mine. Keep saying, I am healed. Keep saying, I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. And I can have what he says I can have. Say it in the morning. Say it in noonday. Say it at night. Say it over. Say it until your neighbors get tired of hearing it. But you keep saying it. You say it until the devil goes away and says, I ain't never going to get to change their mind. So I'm going to go find someone else to devour. Doesn't the Bible say he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may? It means he can't get to everyone. He'll try. But eventually, listen, we got to stand in the arena until he's the one who leaves. Well, pastor, give me scripture for that. Gladly. He left Jesus when he saw he couldn't change the Christ. Mm. We have what it takes. Let me close by sharing with you these words. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. I'm reading it to you out of the Passion Translation. I hope this helped you this morning. Paul said this, Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of His explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on. Now, remember what Paul said. He said, I'm saving these most important truths for last. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Verse 12, your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. They are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Put on truth. I remember one time a spiritual father made a statement to me and it's become my statement in the years since then. He said, never let a lie live in your presence. Never lie, no matter what the provocation. I've heard people say, well, sometimes the truth or the, the, a lie is easier than the truth. No, it ain't. It ain't. Never let a lie come out of your lips. It opens up a door you don't want to open. It cracks your armor. Put on truth. Everyone say, put on truth. As a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. You've heard me say this before, because when I was a kid, I was a chronic liar. Just because everyone abandoned me, and I figured if I told you what you wanted to hear, you wouldn't forsake me. And one of the things I learned as a kid is if you're going to be a liar, you better have a good memory. Because pretty soon you forget, to, you forget what you told to who. But if you tell the truth, you don't ever have to worry about it. And someone can say, well, you said this. You said, no, I, I didn't actually. Because I said the same thing to 25 other people. Put on truth. 
Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield. For it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. And last, verse 17 and 18. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance. Like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. And take the mighty, razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit. As you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all of his believers. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? So when the God's promises to you are being contested, and when he's using your environment to make it seem as if somehow God has forgotten or abandoned or changed his mind, stand strong. Stand strong. I'm going to say it again. Stand strong. Make faith your lifestyle. Not a Sunday morning experience. You don't really need a lot of faith when you're in the assembly of the saints. It's at the end of the day when you're home alone. And you've had that day. That's when you need faith. Stand to your feet.